are listening to T-Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Engaging an exciting conversation on life, God, and pop culture. Every week on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Welcome everyone, you're listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T-Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. We have a full house today. What's up, Biscuit? What up, what up? And our what is he our resident? If if who was as our resident theologian? What is Wasu? The resident white guy. Oh my God. Awesome. It's good to Great. be with you guys today. <laughs> Happy to be the resident white guy. Sure. How are you? How's your week been? Good, good, good. Yeah. Absolutely. No post-election depression syndrome. There was some, mm-hmm. but we picked up. Yeah. We picked up. Everybody good? Biscuit? Cookie Monster? Are you good? Yeah, I'm getting there. You're getting there? Yeah. <laughs> all right. I guess we all are. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, today, not that it's specifically tied to elections themselves, but we wanted to talk about something that is relevant to almost everyone, which is, well, when you're hurting where is God when you are hurting when things didn't go your way or when you've lost someone or when I don't know everything's just gone left and you actually feel like God is not there where will he be yeah and I you know when I when I think about it a lot of the um, objections that many people who don't believe in God have um, are related to pain you know someone will bring up things like well if if God is love why does he allow babies to die? Or if God is love, you know, what about a person who's dying of, of cancer? Or why do why do people get raped and it's not their fault? You know, all these things. And it's all in relation to just um, unfortunate <clears> or <throat> painful things that people go through. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess it ties in, it speaks to the expectation that we have of, who God is and what his love is supposed to represent. Mm -hmm. And when there's that disconnect, you know, we tend to struggle with that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Also the point of what I just said (laughs) is that uh, we want to, want to talk about that today. You know, that where is God when, when it hurts? Is God there? Has God abandoned us? Abandoned us? Is God punishing us? (laughs) Is it the devil who's causing all these things to happen? Mm. So I guess we can get into it, Sean. <clears throat> you know, just the, the whole subject of of pain and and God. Why does God allow pain? It's well, possibly you know one of the biggest issues that everybody grapples with. I mean, we've all experienced pain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we all, well, most of us realize, understand that God is real. He exists. He's loving. He's kind. He's just. He's true. So how do we work that out? How do we balance the evil and the hurt and the pain that we face with a real, loving, kind, generous God? And that's pos- possibly the biggest question, or one of the biggest questions we could ever ask of God. But I'm reminded of Job and uh, how Job was a man blameless. You know, the Bible speaks of him as blameless. And uh, Satan questions God, like this guy, God, you know, Job, he's your servant. I'm sure he will uh, renounce you, reject you, uh, if you take this away from him, if you do this. So in a sense, uh, Job didn't deserve the pain, didn't deserve the suffering, but God used it perhaps as an agent to win a battle or prove a point to Satan. Imagine that. Mm. 
that God used suffering in Job's life and pain and sickness and loss and death and taking away his possessions to win a battle against Satan, that's glorious. Do you know what? God would choose one of us to win a battle against Satan? Uh, no, I shouldn't know. No, thank you. So was Job, I, I was saying we're collateral, collateral damage here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? So, well, why did God well, you cause... Said that's glorious. glorious. That's not the word I was expecting you to say. <laughs> well, isn't it? Our light and momentary troubles... That's what Paul talks about. And this is a guy who was whipped many times, put in jail, beaten. And he says our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. It's like, whoa, that's like a statement, isn't it? And this is a guy who's been through pain. So we can consider anything we're going through now as light and momentary. That's achieving for us a glory that far so it doesn't seem to make sense. And it's something we really need to grapple with deeply yeah. is this problem of pain and sickness and suffering. And the problem I think we have is when we approach it from a selfish perspective or idolatrous, when we consider ourselves worthy of more than we've got or entitled to something that actually we're not. And when we consider ourselves victims, when actually we're the perpetrators of sin, why do we think we deserve a good life without sickness, without pain? Actually, one small sin equals the consequences of sin is death. And when we look at Jesus' death on the cross, that kind of death is what we deserve. Yet God has not given us that kind of death. He offers Jesus in our place for our sins, paying that death. We can't, we would never be able to die that way. But Jesus did it in our place for our sins. So the problem we have when we face pain, and I don't mean to sound insensitive to someone who's going through pain, is that we must be very careful to question God or throw stones at God. And Job did that. He said, God, why? Why me? Mm. And got angry with God, even shaking his fist at God. His friends mm. told him, why don't you just denounce God? Maybe you will get bat- better if you do. And in the end, it was God who questioned Job. And I think God's got questions for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, the, the question I have, Sean, yeah. um, and I guess we can all kind of, biscuit, you can, you can chime in as well. Um, the question I have is, are we then saying that all pain mm. is um, caused or used by God. In other words, is all pain um, designed by God? Or is there pain that comes about because of evil, where something actually happens uh, because the, the, the devil is, is, is doing stuff? Or it just happens because someone plans something evil against you? Mm. You know, a, a, few, a few weeks ago, I, I'm, unfortunately, one of my... And one of my clients mm-hmm. um, had, their, had their son shot and killed in their home. Yeah. Um, robbers got into the house and he was trying to protect his mom and, and they shot him. And, you know, he, he died at the trauma center. And I actually knew the guy. I'd spoken to him. I'd been with him about a few days before that. That, that really, that was like heartbreaking. And mm-hmm. I remember just asking myself, this is a young guy who's about to graduate with his law degree. And he's gone. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, but God, how does that work? Like, do you allow things like this to happen? Is it the devil who's caused this? Or is it just 
evil people who have caused this to happen and if it's people why do you allow it mm-hmm. to happen you know what i'm saying and i think those yeah. are some of the questions that we ask when yeah. when things like that happen true and i think the answer without being insensitive to anyone who's facing pain or has faced a loved one being shot in their home i think the answer's got to be grounded in do we believe that god is sovereign do we believe that god is in control of everything including sin and i think we've got to look at god's will in that what what is was that god's will that he died young you know what did he do to deserve that and i think there are two ways to look at god's will or two ways god outworks his will that's his sovereign will and his moral will his moral will is in the 10 commandments don't do this don't do that do this do that live like this but then his sovereign will uh trumps his moral will because if we look at Jesus life and that's i think that's the best example we go to and we look at Jesus the, the one who who died at, this is god killing his own son allowing murder to happen sin thou should not murder so how did god who has a moral will saying don't murder yet god allows murder to happen on his own son and in peter's prayer in acts we get to see how that's outworked in Acts chapter 4 and Peter says lord what your sovereign hand and plan had chosen through Pontius Pilate through the those protesters it was through god's sovereign hand and plan and so we then have to take a step back and say if i trust that god is sovereign and that god is loving and that god is true the problem for me is my mind my thinking I don't know all things. I'm not sovereign. I I I have to be able to rest in the fact that I don't know the answers to all these problems. So why did my friend, your friend, get shot? The truth is, yeah, it was evil because of sin. And was that God's plan? Well, how? It must have been in God's sovereign will because he is sovereign. He controls all things. He could have stopped that. Yes, he could have. Why didn't he? Come on, God. Well, God, what were you achieving? What is your greater plan? Oh, I don't know. And we've got to be okay with the I don't know. Oh, well, that's not answering your question directly, but I think it is in a sense to say we've got to trust in the sovereignty of God, his sovereign will. And then we look at his moral will, you know, the Ten Commandments, what we've got to do. And I know we're not really getting there. Like, why does a young girl get raped by her uncle? Like, God, why do you allow that? Mm. And when I generalize when we generalize I think in my own limited understanding I can think first of all in 1 Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 1 God is the God of all comfort. Well God that's not very comforting. So when God comforts us in fact let me read it for us God the God of all comforts in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 helps us to see one of the reasons why God allows uh, suffering it says this blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and god of all comfort okay so he's the god of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction one of the reasons we go through affliction is so that god can comfort us in that affliction when we're not going through affliction we don't necessarily sense or feel comfort from god so god allows suffering often to prove that he's loving to show that he's loving in fact he allowed jesus to go through suffering to show that he's loving and most people would ask the question well how does a loving god allow suffering is to prove that he is loving 
That's quite a complex thing to get around. We've got to talk about the free will of God in there. Yeah. Yeah. That God giving us free will. I've never heard the moral will of God. That's a new one for me. But what I have heard is the permissive will right. of God. Is that the So that's the sovereign will of God, permissive. Uh, God in his sovereignty allows sin to be used for his glory. How does God allow sin to be used for his glory? Well, the ultimate sin, uh, Judas betraying Jesus, allowing Pontius Pilate to, to say to the people, who do you want? And they say, crucify him. God allowing the people to say, crucify him, allowing Roman soldiers with the energy, effort, life that he gave them, the strength that God gave them to beat Jesus, to torture him and to crucify him. That, that's God who allowed that to happen. That's the sovereign will of God, perceptive will of God, allowing that for his greater purpose. So we've got to trust that God is sovereign and allows evil to accomplish a greater purpose. Let's talk about a cancer patient. Why does God allow someone to have cancer? Yeah. Perhaps, maybe, to protect them from a greater suffering. Maybe. Perhaps for other Christians to come around and comfort and show the love of God, to give compassion to others. Why, why am I suffering? Perhaps it's an opportunity for somebody else to see my suffering and show the love of God through comfort. And then we can look at natural disasters. Why, why, why an earthquake? Why are people's homes burned down or damaged? Perhaps it's so that God can show how good he is through the love and kindness and generosity of faithful Christians who fulfill God's will by showing love and kindness. If there weren't opportunities to do that or devastating opportunities, the light shines brightest in the darkness. So when there's dark times or difficult situations, that's where light comes in and shines. And so I think sin, uh, uh, sickness, evil, pain, and suffering is, number one, an opportunity to glorify God, right. both for the person going through it, and I'll qualify that in a moment, and for people who see it. So when you see suffering, doesn't it give you compassion? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you think, I've got rage and anger about the person who committed that suffering. You want justice done. Right. Mm -hmm. And those are gifts from God. And so we want to stand for justice and also give compassion and mercy to the one suffering. So we come alongside them to show how good God is and the gift he's given us to be the gifts of God to the world to glorify him and show the world what God is like. I think that's some of the reasons why God allows sickness and suffering and pain is yeah. so that Christians of the church can come alongside those suffering and sick in pain, in disaster to actually be a blessing to them. <laughs> Perhaps you want to go to the question of, like, how does suffering, my suffering glorify God? So I, while I think when we face suffering in a selfish way, to say, oh, I'm suffering, I'm needy, I need people, and we say, oh, no, that's not fair for them, and we say, oh, I can't possibly go there just in case my life is in risk, in danger. I can't go and see that sick person just in case it's contagious or I'll get sick. Or what could I possibly do for that? Oh, I don't like hospitals. I don't like sickness. So sometimes we have that kind of reaction, just like with the Good Samaritan, where the rabbi walks on the other side of the road and the priest, you know, then the Good Samaritan comes along. He didn't ask the question, what will happen to me if I go and help him? The others did say, maybe I'll be beaten by the robbers as well. Maybe someone will get, he said, what will happen to him? And too often when we see pain and sickness, we, we think, like our situation in Zimbabwe, what will happen to me if I go and 
go to the rescue or stand up against injustice or try to help someone or, you know, keep someone who's running away, who's, who's not done any injustice but is running away from unjust treatment. If, if I invite them into my home like I should, be hospitable, I put my own family at risk. Well, isn't that what we're called to do as Christians, is put ourselves at risk as we love our neighbors for the sake of others? You know, if we face suffering, why does a robber break into my home? If we say, this robber shouldn't break into my home, I need self-defense and kill him. Like, is that what God wants for you? Is that God's will for you to sin and murder a person? If a robber breaks into your home with a gun, surely he's sinful. He doesn't know God. And to send him to eternal punishment by killing him is worse than standing in front of him and trying to reason with him and say, hey, I don't want you to shoot any of my family and then you die. But if you're a believer, you would be prepared to put your life in front of others for the sake of an unbeliever to come to know God. And he'll come to know God when you protect others and stand in their way just as Jesus did. So I think our model of suffering, Paul says, I fill up in my body what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. That's Colossians chapter 1, 29, I think it is. What does that mean? What is lacking in the sufferings of Christ? I think it's an example of Jesus or pointing to Jesus, pointing to the true suffering servant. And when we get to suffer as servants and lay down our lives for others, that points to Jesus and that gives an opportunity to share and show the gospel as a reality. So I think we should welcome suffering. I mean, James says, consider it a joy when you face trials of many kinds, because what does it do? It tests our faith. Why should our faith be tested? So that we can grow in our character and become whole and complete. Ah, so challenges, we welcome them because they make us whole and complete, lacking nothing. That's the purpose of trials, suffering, challenges, to make us whole and complete, develop our character. And my, 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 the truth for me is whenever I faced a suffering or trial or sickness, actually it's grown me and made me rely on God and be dependent on Him. So, Sean, uh, maybe one of the challenges that's there is what we generally um, believe as Christians, mm. right? Because unfortunately, not all of us, mm. right, in our different churches are being, are being taught the kind of stuff that you're talking no about. No sermon. You see what like I mean? That exactly. Ever, our sermons. Ever. Our sermons are about no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That God wants to bless me. That God is good. Good things are going to happen. And we make all these declarations. So naturally, there's this expectation that God is supposed to produce only good, whatever good means to me, right? And that um, I can even get into the whole mm. prosperity thing, mm. you know, with that. That. So we have this expectation that God is supposed to do good things. Mm. So now when all of a sudden we start seeing bad things happen, then there's that disparity, that disconnect to say, no, but, but hold up. God mm. is supposed to be good. God, you know, good things are supposed to happen to yeah. me because I'm a Christian. I'm supposed yeah. to have lots of money in my bank account. I'm supposed yeah. to, to be the head and not the tail. Yeah. Above and not Romans the Romans 8.28, you know, all <laughs> things work all, for my good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All, all this stuff. Then now... Mm. Um, my best friend dies mm. or uh, my mother's got cancer or mm. something like that, you know, mm. then it's difficult to, to, to reconcile that with, with a good God. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Unless we ask the question in our suffering, how can I glorify you? How can this work for my good as I suffer? And then we push it a little bit further because the truth is God does want 
us to prosper and to have good things for us. In fact, he's promised us. He's guaranteed it to us. Our problem is we want it right now. We want it in this life on earth. But if we're prepared to live for a far better, far more glorious life without pain, suffering, sickness, and with every good and perfect gift kept in heaven for us by God our Father, then we live a different life on earth, prepared to sacrifice everything for the sake of the blessing and joy of others so that our eternal reward is true and blessed and good and whole and incredibly better than any blessing we could receive on earth. And I think the prosperity gospel only goes halfway to explain that because our natural mind says, no, I want goodness now. I want money now. I want a car now. I want health now. And the name it and claim it kind of theology is because we live in this selfish is for me, for my health, for me. Actually, to love, our, to love God and love our neighbor is to be living for others for their joy, for their benefit. And naturally the overflow is a blessing from God, even suffering we can receive. Now this is dangerous theology here, I know. (laughs) But receiving suffering as a blessing from God, how? Oh, because it matures me, it tests my faith. It helps me to become whole and complete. That's how suffering is a blessing. So when we ask God, how am I blessed through the circumstance? I'm blessed with an opportunity to glorify God. I'm blessed with an opportunity to point to Jesus through my suffering. I'm blessed with an opportunity not to whinge or moan or complain while I'm suffering and in pain, but to be a blessing to others despite my circumstance. That's where the real blessing is. That's where the the gospel goes further for us and sanctifies us and purifies us for the sake of others. Paul speaks about it, says, suffer for the sake of others. You know, when we suffer, suffer for the sake of others. Suffer so that others don't have to, so that others are blessed and filled with joy and encouraged, even as you suffer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is a hard thing to swallow. Yeah, understandably. Okay, so just let me make sure I understand. Mm -hmm. If it's me suffering... There's obviously something I can gain from it from how I go through the suffering. That's why mm-hmm. long suffering is a fruit of the spirit. Like yeah. God gives us the strength or whatever. But then if it's someone else suffering, it's happening so that us as Christians can show the love of God in mm. that situation. So let's talk about that practically. For example, say you've you were raped or abused as a child. How does that glorify God? How can I use my painful, hurtful experience mm-hmm. to glorify God. How do I worship Him and trust in Him through this experience? By understanding the pain others go through when they are raped or abused. And so I come alongside those who have been raped or abused and comfort them with the comfort I received from God when I was, mm-hmm. when I trusted God. How else can it show the gospel? By my act of forgiveness and kindness to the perpetrator. By relieving him, not holding bitterness against him. That shows the gospel. So for me, I need to work through it for you. Work through the pain and suffering as an opportunity to display the gospel through both forgiveness, reconciliation, showing mercy, and an opportunity to be a blessing to others by walking alongside them and comforting them in kindness. The same with a cancer patient. When I have cancer, if I have cancer, 
I'm feeling the pain, I know the experience, so I understand and have more compassion for others going through that pain. Ah, so I can be a blessing to them. And how I suffer in my cancer with joy shines the light of the gospel. So despite your cancer, you're joyful and smiling. You're a good person. You don't deserve. No, there's no one good, only Jesus. And he saved me and he loves me. And though I'm going through this pain, I want to honor him and glorify him. And sickness, it's only temporary. I'm looking forward to a much better that's a way we get to glorify God in sickness and pain, by trusting in him, relying on his ability to rescue us from the pain or to be with. We ask the question, where is God when it hurts? Right there because he's omnipresent. We just need to re reach out and realize it and stop with our self-pity and selfishness and looking for me, me, me. I need, I need, I need and say, God, you're there for me. That's the honest truth, I yeah. think. But it takes maturity to get there. And actually the pain gets us to that maturity and the yeah. sickness and evil. Yeah. I, I remember when I read that story in the Bible about the, is it, was it Bartimaeus? I don't know, some blind person who was healed. Yeah. And he said this was so that yeah. the glory of God could be shown. And I was just like, that's so unfair. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean. <laughs> like the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned yeah. that this guy should be born blind? He was born yeah. blind. Who yeah. sinned? And Jesus said, no, it wasn't anyone who sinned to make him blind. He was blind so that I might be glorified, so that God might be glorified through his healing. Mm. It's like, whoa. Yeah, no, I really grappled with that scripture, to be honest. So yeah. I was like, well. What if he just hadn't been at the right place at the right time yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know Jesus hadn't walked past him like how long was this guy going to be blind for no reason so so i don't know it's it's really tough yeah. why is Jesus loving at me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm being honest it's just tough like to think someone can be struck with blindness, blindness. just so that that scripture could be written in the bible and that's the glory and sovereignty of god is that he would choose to glorify himself through me by allowing me. And that's why the, the disciples said, we rejoice that God considered us worthy of suffering for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of his glory. We just look at Joseph. I mean, this was a guy favored by his son, sold into slavery by his brothers. He went through pain, separation from his family at the end of Genesis 50. And then he says, what? What you meant for evil. Evil. God meant for good. It's like, whoa, imprisonment, separation from family, thrown into it. He thought he was going to die. And yet he says, I forgive you. What God intended for evil, God has intended, what Satan intended for evil, what you intended for evil, God has intended for good, for the good of many. So we should allow our suffering and sickness and pain and tragedies to be for the good of others. Mm -hmm. yeah. But then, okay, no, no, not a but. I am in agreement. I know but means like I disagree. I don't. Um, when we deal with sin, um, okay, so for ca cancer, for example, I think you can't say God made it per se, but he can use it, right? Absolutely. So its presence in the world is as a result of sin. Absolutely. So nothing bad. God didn't create anything bad. 
bad comes from God giving us free will and us sinning. Even the earth naturally is groaning and longing and waiting for a savior. So anything bad that happens, we can't say, ah, that's God who did that. We can't blame God. We call natural disasters acts of God. I think it's wrong. That it is. They're actually, because of man's sin and because the earth is groaning, it's our fault. Many natural disasters happen because we haven't been faithful stewards of creation mandate of the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've messed it up. Sometimes a natural disaster will happen because God wants to show his glory. Imagine that. Imagine a thunderstorm, a tsunami that comes in like, whoa. God is huge. And he says that in Job 37. He says, I'm the one who made the clouds. I'm the one who sends lightning and storms. That's me. That's God. So he sends these things for us to say, whoa, we're not big. He is. And he is to be feared, loved and feared. So sometimes God would send them, I believe, to help us to know the magnitude of God, not to question God. We will naturally question God just as Job did. And God would say to us, "Uh, where were you when I made this? Where were you? Do you command the seas and the wind and the waves? So Sean, so do do you reckon that God sometimes gives us bad politicians because they're like natural disasters? Ah! (laughs) So so the same same purpose. No, that's a good question. I mean, when it comes to bad leaders or evil governments you know in the bible we see evil men all over doing devastating things like ah, i mean surely they're given by god yes government is given by god some are self-appointed and not necessarily god appointed but god allows evil governments to accomplish his purposes like how and why that's the question we've got to ask how is god accomplishing his purpose through bad men and women in power we say ah he's teaching us to submit. He's teaching us submission. He's teaching us to honor even those who are doing terrible things to show love and kindness and grace and mercy. He's teaching us to forgive. He's giving us an opportunity to show mercy and kindness. Imagine if there was no evil in the world. Let's just imagine that. Imagine there was no evil, only good, and we only did, like robots, what God made us do. So God made us do loving things. Is that loving of God? Then there's no free will. Evil only exists because of free will, God's free will. Mm -hmm. And it is most loving for God to give us free will and for us to choose to love him back than it is for him to demand it and make us love him back. Imagine that. So that's the reason evil exists is ultimately because God gave us free will to choose either to love him or to sin against him. When we sin against him, Evil persists. But our choice to love God shows that God is ultimately all loving because he gave us a free will to love him back and to love sinful people. Just as he has loved us as sinful people, we get an opportunity to show how good and glorious God is by loving sinful people, forgiving them, showing them mercy and sacrificing on their behalf. Yeah. Just a quick one, uh, Sean. Thank you for that. Um, The judgment aspect right and what I, what I mean is that i heard uh someone was saying this i, I don't remember which speaker was saying this and they said that god's judgment is not always interventionary mm. sometimes it's a gradual decline mm. something along those lines but they were basically saying that sometimes the way god judges us is through some of these things happening mm. and 
So my, my question then is even, you know, talking about um, the nation, mm. right? That could it not be that God is judging the nation or is judging us for either, it's, you know, it could be poor decisions we've made or whatever the case is. But doesn't God also use pain as a form of judgment or to caution us, to warn us that, listen, I'm not happy. If you keep doing this, something worse is going to happen. Is, would that be a fair... That's one of the ways. So we must be careful that all bad things are not judgment from God. Some bad things, some sickness, some evil are ways to discipline us for righteousness. Some are consequences for our sin and ways. Some of the, the bad things that happen are consequences for our foolishness. For example, if you have smoked weed and drunk a lot of alcohol and you start to ride a motorcycle and you've got a big head and think I can go really fast, but your judgment is not there, you crash into a tree. It's like, that's a bad thing that happened. Well, it's a consequence for being silly, right? For sinning. And so some of the things are consequences for our bad behavior. Sometimes HIV, it's a consequence for promiscuity, right? It, sleep around, you get HIV. That's, you can't say that's a judgment from God. It's a consequence, certainly. I believe all judgment from God was ultimately met by Jesus' death on the cross. So in the New Testament, any evil and pain, I don't know that it is judgment from God. I believe it's there to shape us and to make us pure and righteous. Sometimes it's just the consequences of our sinful behavior. But certainly for evil people who have not accepted Jesus, it can be a form of judgment now on them to warn them of a future judgment that's far worse. And it's Christians' jobs to point that out and to show that and to give warnings and to stand up against injustice and evil to actually show perpetrators of injustice like there's worse coming. You don't want what's coming if you don't stop that. Just as Moses did to Pharaoh, you know, there's going to be frogs, there's going to be locusts if you don't. There's going to be a death of the firstborn son if you don't. The consequence was meted out because Pharaoh didn't stop the evil. So there are several ways of judgment coming to us, but we can never say you're sick because that's God's judgment for your sin or lack of faith. I don't believe that's true because God met out all judgment on the cross. And if we're believers, we've accepted that the full punishment was, it is finished, fully completed, paid. But sometimes we just face the consequences both of our sin and of other people's sin. When we face the consequence of someone else's sin, it's our opportunity to give mercy and forgiveness and love and kindness at the same time as reconciliation and retributive justice, <laughs> restorative justice. Sometimes the most loving thing we can do to a perpetrator of injustice or an evil person is to stick them in jail because there they will meet God. You know, they will realize that, hopefully, the nature of what they've done and God will rescue them from that jail. Rather put them in jail now than eternal bondage in hell. Yeah. So sometimes we stop short of that. We want to protect those who are being having justice perpetrated against them and we fear the one perpetrating the justice just in case we ourselves are going to be harmed mm -hmm. but christians get in harm's way for the protection of others and for the salvation of the perpetrator of injustice so that they don't have to face eternal judgment i think this <laughs> kid <laughs> <laughs> you've been awfully quiet um I don't know. I have, a, I have a personal rule. If I got nothing to add, <laughs> I'm not going to add anything. And um, as a consummate pragmatist myself, 
a lot of what I think about the topic has been said <laughs> very clearly. There's been a few moments where I'm like, I want to say yes, yes, <laughs> but that I I fully agree. I, I feel uh, if I can uh, just round it off in a simple statement, I, I'm just like we we put too much on God. Like we blame him for so much that like, I don't think he's sitting there trying to attack us and mm. really make it look like that. Mm. And um, and I do believe a lot of things are simple consequences. And maybe the one thing that you just mentioned mm. that a lot of people kind of forget is sometimes you do suffer for the sins of others. Mm. And uh, it's not a matter of today or yesterday or last year. It's a matter of even hundreds of years. Of, of mm. thousands of years of someone else's thing that has resulted in your suffering mm. today. So to then sit and say, why me? Yeah, it may not have been you individually, but it might have been the human race mm. from a while ago. And um, yeah. it's still an opportunity. Yeah. It's still a chance to, to show God's glory in that. Yeah. But to say it was God who targeted you and was at you is, I feel, very erroneous and mm. problematic for me um unless we give him thanks for it and say god wow you chose me to go through this so that you could be glorified just as job was asked to and just as paul says i rejoice in my weaknesses so that the power of god the strength of god can be known can be seen so, so i give thanks to god his grace is sufficient for me for his power is made perfect in weakness so i boast all the more gladly in my weakness and my sufferings and my shame in beatings i boast about them so that god would be glorified and when we say when we see sickness in that way we say whoa god what an opportunity to glorify you i think we just got to change our mindset when we go through suffering, see suffering, it can be patronizing to tell someone who's going through suffering that. But when we ourselves believe it and see it, when we see someone going through suffering, we're not to go and Bible bash them with, this is what Paul says and this is what Peter says. We're to come alongside and give them the comfort God gave us when we suffered. So, so you've got to be really wise about how we respond to suffering right. for others, but in our own lives to believe that, wow, God has chosen me to suffer so that I can point to Jesus, so that I can offer forgiveness and mercy and grace and be an agent of his grace. God allows me to be an agent of his grace towards others to show what he's like. Wow, that's glorious. Yeah. And if suffering does that and evil does that, I'm up for that. I think what anyone listening, okay, maybe not anyone, but me listening, I have a bit of cognitive dissonance, which I'm mm. going to have to deal with. Because mm. basically what you've just said is that in sickness, God can be glorified even if there's no actual healing that takes place. Uh, there is actually healing that takes place whether we need to die an earthly death to receive full and complete healing yeah. or whether we get it now. Mm-hmm. So I, I've had a discussion, yeah, that's a very important perhaps an argument with someone who was trying to pray for someone to rise again from the dead. And I said, don't you think that they are risen from the dead already? It's like we're praying for them to be risen from the dead on earth, but actually they are raised. They were believer. They were saved. They're raised far better from the dead than we could ever pray for them to rise again from the dead. So we've got to check our motives when we're praying for them to be risen from the dead. Because often when we're praying for someone to be raised from the dead, often maybe, I don't know, check your motive. We want to know, I raised someone from the dead. My prayers raised them. And we want to tell the testimony. But actually, 
if they're dead and they were a believer, God has raised them from the dead and given them a far more. Why do we want to pray for them to come back to earth where there is sickness and sin and shame and difficulty when we can actually say, wow, God, you've taken them to a more glorious place where there's no more suffering, no more pain, where there's only reward. I'm like, I'm up for that. Don't you ever try to raise me from the dead when I die, please. <laughs> okay? Please don't. <laughs> I want to be with Jesus, man. <laughs> to live as Christ to die. Stuff in Yeah, so I think further to uh, what, what T Mac is saying, you know, we have the whole um, mm. healing, healing thing, healing ministry, all of this mm. stuff that. Um, a lot of us are kind of raised or taught mm. to believe that God heals. So mm. if someone is sick, mm. pray for them to get healed, mm. right? Because sickness is from the devil. Mm. So many times when we pray, we're saying, devil, we bind you. We bind this sickness. All of this stuff that we say, because, you know, naturally we believe that because a person is sick, that can't be God. And what you're saying is that God could be using that sickness yeah. to, to, to achieve um, something for his glory. Absolutely. So I guess then the question for me is what, what do we, you know, what, what would you say to someone who maybe all, who, who's all their life believed that sickness is from the devil and that if someone mm. is sick, if, if an un, unfortunate thing happens, it's not from God. We have to bind, we have to bind the demons, mm. right? And now, and now, are you bringing this perspective that no, it it could be God who's actually wanting to achieve something through that? Mm. I think that requires a paradigm, a paradigm. Definitely, shift. certainly, and I think there is a place for uh, rebuking Satan in a situation uh, for an unbeliever. I believe they can be possessed by a, de a demon and for a believer they can be oppressed by demonic activity and so we need to be discerning so I would say when we pray for those people it's going to take discernment love and kindness and if we're praying out of love and mercy and kindness for them we're going to pray those kind of loving gracious prayers but if we're going in and I'm not very clued up on spiritual warfare so forgive me I'm, uh, my understanding is a little bit limited and experienced too what I wouldn't go in doing is causing fear on the person who's sick and suffering yeah. saying there's a demon I mean that is the most terrible thing you can do for someone who's already in pain telling them they've got a demon and say this demon you've got to get out now like how dishonoring or disrespectful is that to the person? It's more loving and kind to say, Lord, show us what your will is here. Please give this person who's not well, give them your peace. Show them your love. May the power of your Holy Spirit, that gentle, kind, loving prayer, I think, outweighs the in Jesus name this demon get out and, and you're trying to push the demon out and get it to manifest people are going to naturally well, well people are going to want to do something to try and like make sure that you know yeah I'm responding here okay what do you want me to do in some senses and sometimes I think we push that a little bit too hard and particularly in our culture a very animistic culture a very suspicious um, yeah. spiritualistic culture and we believe in oh this happened because of that you know tokolosh ancestor anything that can happen I think we've just got to be more discerning and more loving more gracious more merciful more kind and say Lord your will be done your kingdom come in this person's life Bring healing. Don't stop praying for healing. Pray for healing. Okay, I was about to ask you that. Because I'm mm. like, 
I'm in the hospital and I'm like, call Pastor Sean to come pray for me. And then he comes and says, Lord, you will be done. <laughs> I, want you, to take yeah, us bro, I, want, I want Pastor Sean to be like, Lord, heal. Like, Absolutely. you will be done, bro. Oh. I don't know. Pastor Sean is going to say, Lord, if it's your will, to come to you. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be glorious? And I think this is some of our problem is that we love our lives too much. So I, I don't want to offend you by that. <laughs> Actually, I do want to offend you by that. Sometimes we love our lives too much and we love earth too much that we like, we don't have a perspective of heaven and what's waiting for us that we actually want to get better so that we can enjoy this life more. I'm like, Lord, when you're ready, I'm ready. You know, take me where it's glorious, where there's no sin, where there's no pain, where there's no shame, where there's no, none of that. I want that. And so I'm going to say, hey, peeps, pray that I go quick, please. If you pray anything, if I have to suffer for a long time, let me suffer and glorify God through the suffering. But if it's my time to go, let me go. Don't hang on to me. And I want my family to know that, my kids to know that, you know, that, hey, you can rejoice because I'm in... I, I'm, gonna, I'm with Jesus like full on, no sin, no shame, no pain, no nothing. And when we pray, we want to help those who are sick to say, wow, what a privilege, what a joy that something amazing awaits us. We're trusting God for healing now, but hey, if it's his time for you, oh, you graduate <laughs> before sure, I do. I see those things uh, when you bring this I guess you can imply them. <laughs> but may, maybe that's our problem, is that we haven't prepared people for eternity well enough. Yeah. In church, we just prepare people to have a prosperous life and hey enjoy it get it you know get a better okay. job get more money get your get, enjoy your life yeah. rather than enjoy the life that, yeah. that's to come and store up treasures for that life and i think that is false theology and i think we, we we've been wrong as the church to teach that wow. and we need to be teaching people to prepare for eternity so if it's eternity i'm prepared to give up everything my house my cars my laptop my whatever whoever needs it come get it because i want to just go be with jesus if this stuff gets me treasures there i want that stuff more than i want this stuff mm. can i get the macbook before you die bro yeah, sure it's yours yeah. <laughs> gotta fight my son for it <laughs> no but I, I think this has been really um really good and really mm. important um this is not an easy subject at all because you know it I guess because it it it, it goes hits, against the grain. It goes against the grain, and I think oh, it it yeah. hits where it really hurts. You know mm, what I'm saying? Because yeah. we we're all going through different types of pain, mm. um, and maybe as we draw to a close, um, I think it'll be important for us to um, just speak to the listeners. You know, there could be someone mm. who is going through pain, yeah. right? Different forms of pain. Some sometimes it's someone who's lost a parent, mm. or someone who has been raped or has had something yeah. unfortunate like that, you know, yeah. happen to them. It could be someone who's done something terrible. Maybe they've, you yeah. know, they, they sinned or they, they committed an abortion. It could be all yeah. kinds of things that people can do. Yeah. <clears throat> and they're carrying that pain, yeah. you know. And I, I think um, as, as we close, it would be important for us to just speak to that, to say, how, how mm. do we encourage someone like that? How yeah. do we speak truth yeah. so that, you know, they, they get the right perspective. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, I would say to them, and in my own story, I, I have a sickness that requires me to 
use drugs every day, I have diabetes and use insulin injections every day. I have hands that are a bit disabled. Uh, my stepfather died in my arms of a massive heart attack, age 14, you know, carrying him uh, there and he died in my arms and I, and I faced pain and sickness. So I don't say all these things with tongue in cheek. I say them having experienced and gone through pain and difficulty and challenges. And what I do want to say to people is really to hold on to God trust in God and ask him what he wants to show you and teach you ask him to draw near to you ask him to comfort you uh, during your time of sickness ask him to send uh, people uh, to draw alongside you to encourage to strengthen to be with you and allow people to do that sometimes in our pain we distance ourselves from others and that's primarily because of pride or bitterness because we've been bitter we feel we've been hurt by someone and bitterness and pride can cause pain to last longer than it should and can send us in a downward spiral and actually cause other sicknesses so beware of bitterness and pain and show mercy and forgiveness as quick as you can quick to repent and quick to show mercy and ask God what he's trying to reveal in your life you know most times when I've been in pain and in sickness it's drawn me to God to say God what do I need to repent of is there sin in my life is this a consequence of sin in my life is you know is this you trying to shape me and show me and mature me is this an opportunity to serve somebody else or to glorify you through sickness or are you just uh, letting me to go through this just to trust in your sovereignty and I'm not supposed to know why I'm sick and that's got to be okay with us you know when you're sick or having had something committed against you always ask God what he's trying to show you is there sin in your life that you need to deal with is there bitterness unforgiveness mercy you need to show is it a consequence of some sin that you're going through that challenge or difficulty that you need to repent of and share testimony for the blessing of others and just I would really say ask God and allow others to come and love you and show kindness and gentleness and be a blessing to them as well as they do that. That would be my words to you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Sean. Mm. Amen. Mm. Amen. Mm. Cool. I don't know if you guys know a guy, there's a man called Malcolm Muggeridge. He was a British journalist, Christian, really, really amazing guy. I think one of the most prolific <laughs> writers of the 20th century. Um, and he also went through a lot of stuff. So um, I, I've listened to, or through listening to Ravi, he, he refers a lot to to Malcolm Muggeridge. <clears throat> but there's a quote that I, I read today by Malcolm Muggeridge that I think I just want to share um, as we close. And he says, Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I've learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence, has been through affliction and not through happiness, mm. whether pursued or attained. This, of course, is what the cross <clears throat> signifies. And it is the cross more than anything else that has called me inex inexorably to Christ. Mm. And I just thought that was so profound, you know, that mm. someone, because this guy was, yeah. um, he was like a hedonist and he was just like one of those, one of those guys. And then he, <clears throat> but he was also a Christian um, later in his life. And he's talking about how, what he went through, the, the painful moments, shaped mm -hmm. him more than, um, I guess, all, all the pleasant moments. And I think it's something that we should think about as believers, that, mm -hmm. you know, when we go through painful moments, when we go through suffering, you know, it's not, it's not always bad. Mm -hmm. And when, when we look at the bigger picture, 
it could really be that God is, is using that and shaping us mm. through that. So I just thought that was profound, really challenging. Mm. And yeah, but true. yeah, just so true. That. That's so awesome. I think, I think we're done now. Can I wrap up with a last scripture? And I'd love to pray for people who are going <laughs> through that. Is that all right? Yeah, is that cool? So the yeah. closing scripture I'd love to give is from First Peter chapter 4, verse 19. It says, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. It's mm-hmm. profound. Let's entrust our souls, those who suffer according to God's will, entrust our souls to a faithful creator while we do good. Father, I really want to pray for my dear brothers and sisters, those listening in who are facing challenges, difficulties, troubles, trials, sickness, whatever it is anyone is going through that's listening now i trust lord god that you would speak to their hearts i trust that you would bring comfort to their hearts i pray for understanding and discernment and wisdom and revelation as they question as they ask you why lord what is your purpose for this how can i glorify you through this would you reveal that to them lord and if it's an opportunity to to repent lord i pray that you would graciously lead them through repentance as they accept your forgiveness and love and mercy and grace and set them free from bitterness. Now, I trust God to set each one of you free from any bitterness, any anger, any root of bitterness that you've had against somebody who may have caused uh, the pain and the trial that you're going through now. Trust in God to set you free from that in Jesus' name and to bring healing, quick healing and restoration. We're praying that the scars of the pain that you have would be reminders of Jesus on the cross and his death in your place for your sins. And trusting that your scars would be your testimony to be a blessing to others. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb what Jesus did for us on the cross and the word of our testimony. May your testimony before others help you to continue to overcome and help others to overcome their pain and challenges and sickness and troubles and trials. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name, asking that the power of God in the Holy Spirit would fill each one in every way that we might glorify God and live for the joy of others. Amen. 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 Thank you, Sean. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.